Chapter Ten of Insect Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ostry Fingerhut. Insect Stories by Vernon Kellogg. Chapter Ten An Hour of Living or the Dance of Death. "'But why didn't he go back, if he liked France so much better, and if he had plenty of money?' asked Mary. "'Ah, well, even having plenty of money doesn't always make it possible to do just what we prefer,' I say. "'The truth is, if it is the truth, and not just malicious gossip, it was exactly because he had plenty of money that he couldn't go back. He is supposed to have got that money in some wrong way. Anyway, he didn't seem to care to go back to La Belle France.' but preferred to live solitarily here, and to plant lines of trees and lay out little lakes and build rockwork towers and make terraces and driveways and paths, all in very formal lines, as in the parks at Versailles and Saint Cloud, which were the playgrounds of French kings and the pride of all of France. Mary and I were seated on a curious little cement and stone imitation tower ruin that stuck up out of Frenchman's Pond, which is near the campus, and is a good place for seeing things and getting away from the classroom bells. A long row of scraggly Lombardy poplars stretches away from the pond along an old terraced roadway with a cave opening on it. Around two sides of the little lake is a rockwork wall, and across one end, where the pond narrows, is a picturesque stone bridge of single span. Everything is neglected, and altogether Frenchman's Pond and its surroundings are a good imitation of something old and foreign in this glaringly new and extremely Californian bit of the world. It is a favorite place for us to come when I want to tell Mary stories of the castles on the Rhine. We get a proper atmosphere. It was so sunny and warm this morning that we had given up chatting, and were simply sitting or sprawling as comfortably as we could on the irregular top of our Ausage storm. A few flying dragons, some in bronze-red mail, some in greenish-blue, were wheeling about over the pond, and a meadow-lark kept up a most cheerful singing in the pasture nearby. It was really just the sort of day and place and feeling that Mary and I like best— we knew we ought, as persevering nature students, to get down and poke around in the weeds and ooze of the edges of the pond so as to see things. But we didn't want to, and so we didn't. That is one perfectly beautiful thing about the way Mary and I study nature. We don't when we don't want to. But if we didn't climb down to the live things this day at Frenchman's Pond, they came up to us. One of the flying dragons actually swooped so close to our heads that we could hear its shining brittle wings crackle, and only a few minutes after a curious delicate little creature with four gauzy wings, a pair of projecting eyes with a fixed stare, and three long hair-like tails on its body lit on Mary's hand and walked slowly and rather totteringly up her bare wrist and forearm. Then, without any fluttering or struggling, it slowly fell over on one side and lay quite still. It was dead. This rather took our breath away. We are only too well accustomed, unfortunately, to seeing death come to our little companions, 
They do not live long at best, and then so many of them get killed and eaten. But they usually make some protest when death approaches. They do not surrender their brief joy of living in such an utterly unresisting way as this little creature did. But when I had got my spectacles properly adjusted, I saw what it was that had died so quietly and suddenly. The little gauzy-winged creature was a mayfly, or ephemera, and life with the mayflies is such a truly ephemeral thing, and death comes regularly so soon and so swiftly, and without any apparent illness or injury intervening between health and dissolution, that we naturalists have ceased to wonder at it. Although this is not because we understand it at all, far from it. Indeed, the death of any creature, except from obvious accident or wasting illness, is one of the mysteries of life, which sounds rather Irish, but is just what I mean. But Mary was looking thoughtfully at this dead little mayfly in her hand. It was so soft and delicate of body, had such frail and filmy wings, that it seemed that it must have been very ill-fitted to cope with the hard conditions of insect living, to escape the numerous insect-feeding creatures, and to find food and shelter for itself, to be successful, in a word, in the struggle for existence. And in a way this is quite true. But in another way it is not true, for the mayflies in their flying stage make up for their frailness and feebleness, their inability to feed, they have really no mouth-parts, and do not eat at all in their few hours or days of flying life, by existing in enormous numbers, and millions may be killed or may die from very feebleness, and yet there are enough to lay the eggs necessary for a new generation, and that is success in life for them. Nothing else is necessary. Their whole aim and achievement in life seems to be lay eggs and start a new generation of mayflies. I settled back into a still more comfortable position, and said, "'Did I ever tell you, Mary, of the mayfly's dance of death I saw in Lucerne once, not far from the old bridge across the Royce, with its famous pictures of our own dance of death?' "'Well, then, we'll just about have time before the clock-tower calls us home. Do you want to hear about it?' "'Yes, please,' says Mary. "'Well.' I had been studying in a great university in an old German town all the spring and early summer, and had come to Switzerland for my vacation. You know, there are splendid mountains there. The Alps? interrupted Mary. The highest is Mont Blanc, 15,730 feet above the sea. How oh, Mary does know her geography. And beautiful lakes, I continue. And the roads are good for tramping, and the hotel's cheap. Anyway, the one students go to. I had come to Lucerne from Zurich, noted for its silks and university where women can go, Mary broke in again. Bless me, what's the use of going to Europe anyway if you learn everything about everywhere in the grades? And I had gone straight to the Mullenbrucke, I go on. That's the old bridge, all covered with a roof that crosses the Royce, only a few rods from where it flows out of the lake. The lake of Lucerne, you know. Of course, says Mary. For it is on the ceiling of that bridge, I persist, that these curious old dance-of-death pictures are painted, and I had heard a great deal about them. They show how everybody is dancing through life to his grave. Not very pleasant pictures, Mary. Very unpleasant, I should think, says Mary positively. I hope you did not look at them long. No, because for one reason it was getting too dark to see them. 
the sun had set behind the Gucht, that's a pretty hill just west of Lucerne, and the electric lights were already flashing along the lake shore promenade. You know what a wonderfully beautiful lake Lucerne is, of course, Mary. Yes, it is unsurpassed in Switzerland, perhaps in Europe, for magnificence of scenery, replies Mary in a level voice. I resolve to cut geographic information out of any further stories I tell Mary. Do they commit Baudicure to memory nowadays in the schools? Exactly, I managed to reply without betraying too much astonishment at this revelation of the American educational method. Well, along the shore of this unsurpassed lake at the town of Lucerne, there is a broad promenade with trees and benches and electric lights. Behind it are the big hotels, all in a curving row, and after dinner all the people come out and stroll about while the band plays. It is a fine sight. Mary seemed to be getting a little less than interested. She squirmed into a new position on the rough rockwork, and then, looking out over the little pond, with its hawking dragons whizzing back and forth, she asked, "'What about the mayflies, please?' I really believe she knew all about the hotels and promenade and the band. What wonderful schools! I was come—I have just come to them,' I reply with dignity. I am a professor, and have certain stock supply of dignity to draw on when necessary. It isn't often necessary with Mary. Well, as I came from the covered Mullenbrücke, and out onto the lakeshore promenade, I saw a little crowd of people gathered under and about a brilliant arc-light, hanging in an open place in front of the great Schweitzerhof Hotel. The light seemed to me curiously hazy, and even before I had got near the crowd I had made a guess at what was going on. My guess that it was a mayfly dance of death was quite right. Perhaps it would really be better to call it a dance of life, for it really was a sort of great wedding dance. But it was a dance of death, too, for the dancers were falling dead or dying out of the dizzying, whirling circles by thousands. How many hundreds or thousands or millions of mayflies there were in the dense circling cloud above the light, I have no idea. But the air for twenty feet in every way from the light was full of them, and the ground for a circle of thirty or forty feet underneath was not merely covered with the delicate dead creatures, but was covered for from one to two inches deep. The crowd of promenaders looked on in gaping wonder. Not one seemed to know what kind of creature this was, nor, of course, anything about what was really going on, that this was all the few hours of feverish life which these mayflies enjoyed in their winged state, and that they gave it all up to the business of mating and egg-laying, where they came from, how they had lived before, why they should be here to-night and no other in the whole year, all these things which it seems to me the onlookers ought to have wanted to know, nobody seemed to know nor anybody seemed particularly to care. But there are places in the world where people do want to know about these things, and a great many more about the mayflies. One such place is the Thousand Islands in the St. Lawrence River. One day I was sailing down this river among the Thousand Islands, and the acquaintanceship of a small and unusually delicate kind of mayfly was forced on me by the hundreds of them that persisted in alighting on my clothes, my hat, and my hair, they kept walking unsteadily about over my face and hands and the open pages of the book I was trying to read, and they kept dying, dying all around. 
one would light on the outer edge of the page and before it had walked across to the beginning of a sentence it would die and its body would slide gently down into the back of the book and be a bookmarker that's not a very nice way to talk about the poor dead little mayflies says mary rather seriously it isn't mary i know i said but we've got to relieve the gloom of this tale somehow don't you think there is too much wholesale death in it to suit my publisher and so i am trying to introduce a little jocularity into it don't you see mary people are not supposed to be very funny at funerals says mary severely where did the little thousand island mayflies come from and why do the people there want to know about them because there are so many mayflies that they are a great pest not by eating crops for there aren't any i suppose and the mayflies don't eat anything anyway nor by carrying malaria but just by living and dying all over everywhere in one summer cottage down by the river bank when you are watching the sunset under the trees when you are lying in your hammock and trying to read in your rowboat when you are paddling about to visit your neighbors on other islands to be walked on and died on by hundreds and thousands of little flies and all the time grows to be very uncomfortable so the mayflies or river flies or lake flies as they are variously called are cordially hated by all the thousand islanders and all the st lawrence riverers and the people want to know about where they come from and how they live and all about them indeed so as to find some way to be rid of them and do you know where they come from and how they live and all about them asks mary with a slightly roguish manner i fear well i know something in the first place after the dance of death the few that don't die fly out over the lake or river or pond and drop a lot of little eggs into it then they die happy if mayflies can be happy mind you i don't say they can we are the only animals that we know can be happy and we mostly aren't from the eggs hatch young mayflies without wings or long thread-like tails but just little flat underwater creatures with gills along the sides so they can breathe without coming up to the surface some kinds burrow into the mud at the bottom some kinds make little tubes or cases in which to live while others stay mostly on the underside of stones. They eat little water plants or broken up stuff they find in the water, although some eat other little live animals, even other young mayflies, and many of them get eaten themselves. They are a favorite food of the underwater dragons. You remember, don't you, Mary, how our dragons of Lagunita would snap up these young mayflies in the Monday pond? Well these young mayflies the ones that don't get eaten by dragons stoneflies water tigers and other mayflies grow larger slowly and wing pads begin to grow on their backs in a year maybe or two years for some kinds they are ready for their great change and this comes very suddenly some late afternoon or early evening thousands of young mayflies of the same kind living in the same lake or river swim up to the surface of the water and after resting there a few moments suddenly split their skin along the back of the head and perhaps a little way farther along the back and like a flash squirm out of this old skin spread out their gauzy wings and fly away they do this so quickly that your eye can hardly follow the performance and then they all fly to the light and begin their dance of death, breaks in Mary. 
no wait they're not quite ready for that first they do a very unusual thing something that no other kinds of insects have ever been seen to do this is it they fly away to a plant or bush or tree at the water's edge and there they cling for a little while and then cast their skin again the new skin that they just got with the wings and everything asks mary exactly the new skin it comes off the wings off of the long tails and the short feelers and all the rest of the body no other kind of insect but the mayfly casts its skin once its wings are outspread but now the mayfly is ready for its dizzy dance and as it has only a few hours to do it in it usually starts as soon as there are any lights to dance about think of it to come up from under the water get your wings and be a real mayfly not just a crawling thing on the bottom of a pond and have only one evening to live in probably to dance the whole evening through is about the best thing to do under such circumstances don't any of the poor mayflies live for more than one evening asks mary it does seem a shame to put in so long a time one year two years for some getting ready to fly and then have only one evening or night for flying well yes some do mary that is there are many different kinds of mayflies some large ones some small ones some kinds with four wings some kinds with only two and the length of the flying time is not the same for all these kinds some live a day some two some perhaps even three or four but there are several kinds whose flying life is just a few hours they are born that is as flying creatures after sundown and they die before the next sunrise the first kind of mayfly whose life was ever carefully studied this was nearly two hundred and fifty years ago by a famous naturalist of holland lives only five hours after it comes from the water but remember what a fine long time they have being young if we could be young but there that's foolish mary the chimes in the clock tower are sounding listen and we sit perfectly still and hear the beautiful haydn changes on the four bells and then count twelve clear strokes of the big clock bell that comes all the way from the quadrangle to us softened and mellowed by distance we must go home to luncheon and after luncheon i must go and lecture oh how sad sad for the students and sad for me but that's the way we do it and until we find the real way we must all continue to suffer together come mary we're off how would you like to be a mayfly and have only one day to live when i'm all grown up you might be saved some troubles mary end of chapter ten